Welcome to episode three of Dipsomania, the podcast about booze and cocktail culture. I'm Jake, and in this episode, Lance and I mix up some hanky panky and spend some time discussing bitter liqueurs. Enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. I was not familiar with this drink, so this is a first first for me. Mm, it kind of relates to the Martinez from last week. Hi. Ooh, I like it. Mm, so we're drinking the Hanky Panky for those listening at home. Uh, and what, was there an inspiration for the Hanky Panky or just one that you like? It's just one that I pull out every once in a while. Is it a modern drink? I don't know anything about it. Well, I suppose I should have done the research. <laughs> No, you can you you can do it right now and pretend that you you know all about it. It sounds like one of those drinks that should be old but isn't, like the penicillin. It is credited to Ada Coleman, head bartender at the American Bar in the Savoy, nineteen twenty-five. Oh, it is. So it is actually old. Yeah, and that was actually when the term hanky-panky was in vogue. Mm, so this is, so you don't have to look it up. It's one and a half gin, one and a half sweet vermouth, two dashes of fernet. Which I usually turn that two dashes into like a bar spoon. I kind of drizzled it in. I didn't, re- I don't. You know, fernet comes in a great big 750 milliliter bottle, so you can't really dash from that. No, I mean, if you if you wanted to, you could keep eyedroppers of everything, just sure. in case. Just in case. Eyedroppers of absinthe, eyedroppers of fernet. And I used uh, the Leopold Brothers fernet. For fernet. Oh, interesting. Because I didn't have the other one. Yeah, sure. And I don't actually, I enjoy the Leopold Brothers much more than the uh, Fernet Branca. I think for me, Fernet Branca, twofold downside, one being it's so prevalent here in San Francisco mm-hmm. that it, it's kind of cliched. Right. And secondly, to me, it tastes it tastes like cough syrup. Right. And and I think the Leopold Brothers, I'm not sure what they're doing differently, but it it has a much to me much more pleasant taste, and I I just enjoy it more. So I put it in the drink, and I enjoy uh-huh. that more too. Yeah, good call. I can't compare. I can't say whether <laughs> this is better, but it's damn good. Uh, you should just assume it's better. And it's freaking hot here, so I have a rock in mind. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. So using the hanky panky as our segue. I thought we would talk about Amari. Go. I have to admit, <laughs> I I'm not I'm not well acquainted. Are you not? I have I have like the 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 big ones. I've mm-hmm. got the and I can't even tell you what it's the one in the kind of the um, squatty uh, bottle with the filigree. Well, this probably describes all of them though. It's a you know it's Italian and um, the uh, uh, Nonino. Yes, so I've got that one. Yeah. And uh, is a Fernet and Amari? I don't know this. I, I believe it counts. Okay, so I know that one. And I probably have another one or two that I picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, all I know about them from what I've read on Wikipedia, which is my trusted source for everything, Sure. is that there are probably as many different Amari as there are cities in Italy. Yep. They're all they're all making them themselves on, in their little whatever farms and using the herbs and veg, vegetation mm-hmm. readily available to them. Um, but is the is the base always wine? Not necessarily. I don't think so. Probably traditionally, because mm-hmm. uh, actually I think Nonino is um, grappa based, which is oh. you know it's it's still from the grape, but not wine based. And do you have a, a favorite? What what prompted your 
Oh well, we're we're talking about it because of the drink. But yeah. do you do you have a lot of them? Uh, not an extensive amount. I just like bitter drinks mm-hmm. more than sweet drinks. As, as just as you know, a cocktail nerd would collect various bitters. I also cycle through trying all the Amari to see which ones I like and which ones are the most useful. So, um, some of them, like the Nonino, are just excellent to sip. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like on a rock or something like that. I have friends that enjoy Chinar on a rock as well. And would you consider Chinar, it's more of a bitter, or is it an Amari? I believe it counts. So it's a it's a huge field. Yeah, I mean, it's basically bitter Italian liqueurs. People count Aperol and Campari as Amari. Oh, okay. But I, I usually think of, like, Chinar, uh, Averna, Ramazzotti, Chacharo, that kind of stuff. And for Yeah, me. yep. And... Do you have a favorite? I like Chinar a lot. I love the Nonino. As we've established, have have you tried the new Chinar, the 70 proof? Um, it hasn't reached Colorado shelves yet. It's supposed to come within the next couple weeks. All right. Well, I look forward to a report. I haven't seen it either, um, which is unusual. I mean, we've got oh, cask and... Um, well, and the, cat- the Campari group is based in San Francisco, so... <laughs> oh, really? You ought to get it first. Yeah, it's probably around, and I just haven't looked for it uh, well enough, or even asked. Mm. Um, I often go into liquor stores with, um, I have something, I mean, there's a reason that I'm there. I'm out of something, probably. But then I also just sort of roam about and see if there's anything new. I always, if there's a new gin, I will always pick that up. Sure. Um, And I I do look at the bitters. I look at the vermouths. Um, The whiskeys are overwhelming. There's always way too many of them. Agree. Uh, and, um, I, 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 I don't probably consider myself a connoisseur of any of the liquors, but with whiskey, like I know the ones I like, but I can't tell you, I can't give you like a sliding scale of like, here are the six bourbons that I really like. I can think of like two offhand that I always go for. Yeah. I'm kind Uh, of the same. With both, with bourbon and scotch. Yeah. I mean, I... I always have, like, I probably could name, like, five scotches that I would suggest or, you know, take to somebody's house or something like that. Mm -hmm. Less so with bourbon. I have a much smaller group of bourbons that I know well, and I usually stick to those. And uh, speaking of scotch, since we were, I I linked you that little Ardbeg. uh, They sent some scotch into space, or at least into, I guess, into zero gravity or something. Right. And they said that the, it it definitely made a difference in the taste. Um, it sounded like it made it taste not very good. Well, yeah, and uh, I'm also, I mean, obviously it's kind of a um, it's a marketing thing. Yeah. Because um, I don't think the, the, the ancient Scots were throwing their scotch into the sky to see how high they could get I it. I doubt it, yeah. But I'd be interested... And and then yeah, like so the notes they said antiseptic lozenge and rubbery smoke. Right. Uh, no. No, that's <laughs> one of the worst things. When you, it's like you you made perfectly good scotch taste like a tire fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and its aftertaste is pungent and intense. So uh, I'm not 
I probably won't be lined up to to get that one. Yeah, no. There was a wasn't there another one that um well there's the undersea scotches, the one that they found Yeah, the Shackleton whiskies. Yeah, and then didn't they reverse engineer that to make make more? Yeah, I think so. From a molecular point of view? Yeah, they're doing that with rum too. Like there are rums that are aged in casks on a boat that sailed across the Atlantic and stuff like that. <laughs> and they said uh, it, it takes some of the sea in, and the wood is expanding and contracting because they're going through cold and warm. And so sloshing. And... Sloshing about. So <laughs> Sure. Sure, yeah. I, you can probably taste that. I probably won't spend $100 for that. Thanks. Though. No. Um, and as, even for the Shackleford, I, I've, you know, I've had aged whiskeys, and I think I've burned my palate enough that the because they lose a lot of intensity, they become really smooth and really mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not sweet, but I think they lose some of the the notes in them, and I find them less interesting than you know what I can get on the shelf. Yeah, am I going against the tide on this? I also think really old whiskey is more of a status thing. So it doesn't taste better, but it's just nice to bring it out and tell people that this is. 40 years old yeah it's kind of like good wine i'm sure there are differences and if you train your palate to recognize the differences you can enjoy that yep but if you don't train your palate to recognize the difference you're not gonna care yeah i i have had one really old wine it was 48 years 48 or 49 years wow and you know very expensive just the the sediment was like sand and there was a ton of it yeah and at first the, the first taste after they opened they and they said let it breathe for a really long time uh-huh. because it's been sitting in the bottle and it, when when it starts to oxidate the first thing that it tasted to me like was a bologna sandwich <laughs> it Excellent. had this it had this weird porky <laughs> i mean <laughs> porky fatty weird like almost cheesy taste that's and, bizarre and the first thought was, oh, this has gone off. This has been corked or, right. you know, it, it, this, this, this isn't right. And we went to the sommelier because we, it was not a cheap bottle of wine, as you would imagine. Mm-hmm. And he said, let it sit for like 15 minutes, 20 minutes uh, or, or, you know, sip it because we, we were out at dinner. Yeah. And as the night progressed, either... Uh, I was getting more intoxicated so that the flavor didn't bother me, or it did really did change as the night went on. And by the end of the night, it was a delicious wine. It was really, really good. So in in those cases, if you ever do get the chance to have something super aged, be super patient with that thing. It's like grandpa, right? That's interesting. Let it sit in its little rocker for a while and tell you a story and then drink it. And don't be put off by uh, what you smell or what you taste uh, on the first. If if you are anxious and you want to know what it is, sure, yeah. So I'm wondering if that if if that's the same with with whiskey because you you I think you open the bottle but you're not leaving it out right you're you're corking it to sure. try to preserve yeah. it. But I wonder if it I don't I don't know how wine works differently from whiskey. Whiskey's higher in, in alcohol, yeah, obviously, but. I'm wondering if people, if they decant scotch, if that would make a difference. I don't think so. I think with the whiskeys, adding a bit of cool water is always recommended mm-hmm. to, with air quotes, open the flavors or whatever. Yeah, there for a while, there was a there was a company that was selling you Scottish water. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. To put with your whiskey, because then it's scotch whiskey and scotch water, and so then you get the real 
honest taste of Scotland. Sure. Because it's got Scotland in it. <laughs> I applaud them. So, circling back to Amari, mm-hmm. there's a three-part rundown of Amari from, oddly, a tiki drink blog. Yeah. And it's really excellent, and it kind of covers all the heavy hitters. Excellent. And, of course, we'll put that in show notes. Yes, I see it there, a three-part Amari rundown. That is odd that it's in the tikis. Okay, that'll be handy for me to look at. Probably should have done so before we talk. It's super good. Oh, and it's a it's a literal rundown of a bunch of them. So yeah. it's not necessarily a history or talk about it. It's it's a list of what they are, what they're good in, a bit of their ingredients and flavors. Wow. It's really thorough and really educational, actually. I just learned that there's a class of Amari called Carciofo. <laughs> Uh, it, does it literally have a question mark at it the end? It doesn't. That's oh. that's how I pronounce foreign words. Okay. I up-talk foreign words. I wish it did. And uh, that's for artichoke-based Amaro. So Chinar is the primary example. Oh, I know. That, so Montenegro is another one that I yeah. have. Oh, and, and Zuka as well. I've had. Mm-hmm. That's the rhubarb one? Am I wrong there? I'm not sure. I, I don't think I've had that one. Oh, known ingredient, rhubarb, yeah. That's the other great part of... Amari is, they're all like trade secrets. Zuka is another one that's really good just, you know, by itself on the rock. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to enjoy rhubarb, but as a drink, it's delightful. And it's not like Chinar tastes like artichoke. When you find out known ingredients for some of these things, like they're not always easy to recognize. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kina Kina, which is another really nice one. Yes, it is. And another Bronca, and a, another Fernet. Wow, there's there's a wide... Oh, the the Grand Classico. Yep. That is the weirdest thing I think I've ever put in my mouth. The Grand Classico? Yeah. Or the Kina Kina? No, the Grand Classico. I like the Kina Kina. Okay. To me, the Grand Classico is... Um, it's like the um, St. George Rye Gin, uh-huh. in that I have not found anything to do with it yeah. yet. Okay. And and by weird I don't mean weird bad. I just mean sure. unusual because I it, it's one of those to me that it's distinct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to such an extent that I I don't know how to pair it with anything. Or well, like known ingredients is wormwood, gentian, bitter orange peel, rhubarb and hyssop or hyssop. That's a lot of like that's all all kinds of Amari mixed together, basically, in the ingredients yeah. list. Oh, and Luxardo's in there, of course. I actually, I'm I'm very fond of Luxardo's products. I tend to think of them as being sort of a big company, and right. and and the stuff that they make is going to be, you know, <laughs> popular in a bad way. Uh-huh. <laughs> Meaning yeah. that, yeah, because in a in a sense. I almost at this point I almost want things to be an acquired taste. Yep. But the Luxardo stuff is all just delicious and nice and it's really easy to use and work with. Yeah. I really like the maraschino liqueur quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the classic that has been used in all these recipes, so you might as well use it. You know, my uh, for my second drink, which I'm almost ready for, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to I'm going to put a little bit more of the fernet in there cuz I got a big taste of it at the end and it was delightful. Yeah. I I usually do a lot more than Two dashes. I don't. I don't really understand two dashes of fernet. Which uh, sweet vermouth did you use? I used the Nolliprot. Nolliprot. Oh, okay. Nolliprot. That's that's a very difficult 
French word for me to even try to pronounce. I use the Koki Barolo Kinato again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a, it has a bit of a syrupy oakiness, which I like, and which probably worked actually pretty well with the Fernet. And I would tell you the gin, but I've already forgotten which one it was. I use the uh, VJOP from Sipsmith. Oh, oh. I don't know why I forgot. I used Martin Miller's, which is a really smooth, to me, it's a really smooth gin. I have not had it. I believe he is out of London, so it's a British gin. Kind of a nice, like, really simple label. Yeah, and it is a good gin. I recommend it. It's so funny, like, how much bottles and labels actually do matter to me. Really? Does that make a difference? I think so. Like, I'm attracted to a good label and a good bottle, you know, as long as what's inside is not bad. Mm -hmm. I'll probably choose the pretty bottle over the normal unattractive bottle, even if the stuff in the normal unattractive bottle is maybe even slightly better. I'll I'll go for the pretty bottle. I'm right there with you, probably. Aesthetically, it's nice to, again, it's nice to show off to people. It's nice to have on your counter. So Botanist Gin used to come in this fairly distinct square bottle Mm -hmm. that looked, I don't want to say masculine, but it had a a heft to it. Right. And they've since gone to more of a barrel shaped, but but it's, it's a cylinder. Yeah. And then the ingredients are... Uh, not etched, but I guess embossed. Uh-huh. They're raised lettering on the glass, on the outside of the glass bottle. That's neat. It's a, it's lovely, but I miss the old bottle. I really liked it. Yeah. One of my favorite B-level gins, somewhere in the middle, is the... Uh, let me see if I can find it first so I get the name right. It's from the Tuttletown people. Mm-hmm. Half Moon Orchard. Is it also in one of those little squat bottles? It is not. It's in a liter bottle. Wow, big. So it's in the like $30, $40 range, but you get a liter, so that makes me feel good. <laughs> you know, the front of it, and it, it's a cylindrical bottle, and it's whatever, but the front has a nice sort of painted on label, Yeah. so it's not like a paper label, and there's like an anchor and sort of nautical motifs, and then on the back is a tall ship, so you see that when you're looking at the front of the bottle? through the bottle mm-hmm. and i just think it's really cool it's not a pretty bottle but have you tried ford's gin i have according to my source they designed that bottle so it's easy to pick up yep it has a it has like a grip in the middle it absolutely does when you're a bartender and you just need to get something and pour it the Forge gin was actually designed for easy pouring that whole line from what i hear was tailored to be basically well at a high class bar <laughs> Okay. You know, a 12 to $15 cocktail kind of bar, but right there, ready for action. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to make it, like, too precious. I thought I thought that was really interesting because so many distillers try to come up with these great stories about how fantastic their product is, and Simon Ford didn't necessarily do that. He's like, here are good, basic boozes for you to make mm-hmm. all the cocktails with. Yep. And I thought that was pretty smart. I have only had the Fords. What else do they make? Uh, that's a good question. I know they make a vodka. Yeah, vodka, Cana Brava rum. Yes. And a tequila as well. So all the basics. All the basics. Oh, look, and they have a learn about our ergonomic bottle PDF. <laughs> That is handy. There's a scale on the side with exact measures in fluid ounces and liter measurements. And the neck, the long neck, easily hold with a full hand. Ah. Do they all come in the same bottle? Uh, yeah, roughly the same bottle. No. Oh. Interesting. Oh, yeah, I guess they do. Uh, shall we pause and make drink number two? I think we shall. Because I'm sweating like a pig. Poor baby. Mm. Fuck this heat. All right, we'll, we'll be back. 
so this is the gin. I think I showed you it before. Oh, yes. Koval. And again, beautiful label. Yes. Laser cut and with gold uh, embossing and just a lovely, lovely gin. So I used that again. Uh, this is actually the exact same formula, but like I said, I did put in probably a quarter of an ounce Mm-hmm. This time, I also stepped up to a quarter of an ounce of Fernet, and I switched to the Koki Torino, which is much tastier. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that they're probably right that a quarter of an ounce <laughs> does tend to overwhelm, at least in my mix. Yeah, I think the Koki is balancing mine a little bit more, but it's it's a little strong on the Fernet. So I'm at Savure, Savure, Savure. Uh-huh. Uh, they have five Amaro cocktails. Uh, this is from last year, just to see what they've got. So okay. they have a Black Betty, which is inspired by the Manhattan and the Sazerac. A Chinar Julep. Mm. Wow. Adriatic, uh, uh, as in the sea, I'm assuming. Adriatic. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. This one I can't even, because it's probably an Amaro name. Del, Della Barista Spritz. And the Cafe Caretto, uh, which is a coffee cocktail, which features Fernet. Mm. Now I'm going to dive into that Chinar Julep and see what's going on there. So they're calling for a quarter ounce lemon juice, two sprigs of mint, two ounces of Chinar, half ounce simple syrup, two ounces of grapefruit soda, mm. and a pink grapefruit slice. Grapefruit soda being... I would probably use San Pellegrino. Oh. Oh, they they make that the the, the in the cans with the... the with the intricate foil top that makes you think you're... And, and their grapefruit is not a pink grapefruit, which is more common for sodas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a little off-putting, and I probably wouldn't use it in a cocktail now that I think of it, because there are little flecks of something in the soda. Oh, I think I've always just drunken it, drinking it out of the can. Yeah. So I don't, I've never actually looked at it. Like flex of something doesn't sound good. As far as I know, the, the grapefruit is the only flavor that actually, actually has like chunks in it. Contains real flex of something. <laughs> I was curious about the, uh, Fernet coffee cocktail. So that is one and a half ounces of chilled espresso. So that's like a shot and a half of espresso. Mm. Three-quarter ounce Cafe Borghetti espresso liqueur, half an ounce of Fernet Branca, a quarter ounce simple syrup, and three espresso beans for garnish, which, according to Savir, you're supposed to just sprinkle them beside the glass because mm. they're not in this picture. Sure. <laughs> I'm interested in coffee cocktails. Uh, there was, uh, that was another thing that kind of went through a trend here for a while. Um, that insulted cocktails, yes. and I don't know that they're still around. Well, so in, in terms of coffee cocktails, the only thing that I'm very familiar with is what the Italians call cafe caretto, mm-hmm. which means corrected coffee. So you correct your coffee by adding grappa to it, basically. Mm-hmm. And this is like a morning thing. Like, you have a little shot of grappa and your espresso and you're off to work the fields or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's in it's in hot coffee? Uh, it's beside coffee. Oh. Like, it's a boilermaker type of situation. Mm, I might start doing that. That sounds like a good idea. It's actually kind of delightful. So I, I was looking at other Amaro recipes mm-hmm. and... One that came up called for I got now I got to find it again because um, uh, this is called the smoking cat. Okay. This is one ounce of Dubonnet Rouge, one and a half ounces of whiskey, a dash of Amaro. They recommend Averna, lemon peel for garnish, and then the, the interesting thing that had me go on a tangent was a half ounce of tobacco bourbon. Oh. 
Okay. So when I clicked on tobacco bourbon, I got sent to another site for tobacco-infused bourbon. <laughs> so here are the instructions. Should you, should you want to do this, you take a one-inch piece cut from a good quality cigar. What? You add the cigar pieces to a resealable glass container. You pour bourbon over the top of the cigar pieces Stir the bourbon and tobacco to loosen up the leaves and continue to stir until all the leaves are separated. Seal in a container for six hours. After six hours, strain the bourbon, obviously, if one hopes, <laughs> uh, through a fine mesh sieve lined with a cheesecloth. Huh. I have never, ever in my life thought of doing this. Although I would probably enjoy it better than a good quality cigar because I'm not a I don't really enjoy cigars. I enjoy cigars. If you make this, they also have a a second recipe for the Havana cocktail. Mm -hmm. So you take two ounces of the infused bourbon, three quarter ounces of Frangelico, 12, 12 count them dashes of Aztec chocolate bitters, nine dashes of cherry bitters and three dashes of Angostura bitters. That's. A lot of bitters. Somewhat insane. It sounds a bit insane. Although the Frangelico is super sweet, so maybe the bitter actually worked. They're they're crediting this to the Experimental Cocktail Club in London. Huh. I should be a member of an Experimental Cocktail Club. I think we both should. I think that'd be awesome. And also, now I'm thinking of tobacco bitters. Mm-hmm. What else What else can we do with tobacco? Because I actually do like the smell of tobacco. Right. Especially like pipe or cigar tobacco. Exactly. The that that it's it's a it it smells green and it smells um sweet. Uh it's a lovely smell. See now I'm looking for tobacco bitters. Somebody's <laughs> gotta make these right. I have to say I kickstarted a company in San Francisco that makes coffee bitters, and they are some of my favorite bitters. Hmm. It's the workhorse rye people. They also make a rye whiskey, but I can't get that. Uh, yes, so there's a company called Bitter Queens. <laughs> they do have tobacco bitters. All right. Oh, though it contains no tobacco. Oh. It's alcohol, vanilla, dried cherry, cloves, cardamom. So they approximate the tobacco experience. They, yeah, that doesn't count. Sorry, sorry, Bitter Queens, no. I'm going to call you no. Uh, Art of Drink has a nicotini. Yeah. Yeah. Kindred Cocktails, another site. Uh, Tobacco has been used experimentally by cocktail makers to create cocktail bitters. All right. It is as poisonous as hydrogen cyanide. Is that poisonous? Maybe. Infusion is much more effective than is smoking and extracting nicotine. So that's a caution to the folks at home. Hope you've listened far enough to know. It's not necessarily something you want to try at home. I think the school is out about tobacco things. Yeah. The more I'm reading about it, the more it seems like everyone's urging caution, and maybe that's why you can't walk into a bar and get a nicotini. Yeah, seems kind of poisonous. So. All right, there you go. Don't maybe do that. Uh, so that was the smoking cat, which got us off on another tangent. The wild strawberry Amaro. That is strawberry-infused Blanco tequila, uh-huh. Campari... Coqui Americano Rosa, and one drop of vanilla extract. 
That sounds good. Yeah. I would drink that. Yeah. Here's another one, The Paper Plane. That's a good name. You know what we should do? One one of our shows should just be coming up with names for cocktails without actually concocting the cocktail. That is so hard. Well, that's why we'll we'll have the names available. Oh. And you can like you can just pick the name out. Open source names. Exactly. We we're not making the cocktails, we're just making the names. So we'll do the we'll do the research, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't get like last last week we discussed that there were Tons of Martinez's. Right. You don't want your Martinez confused with somebody else's Martinez. You want to be the only one. So we'll we'll look and see if there is a hashtag cocktail or dirty bandage or whatever we want to call it. Yeah. We'll do the research. We'll have a list of names that are not yet cocktails. This was actually very important to me when I submitted my recipe that Gary Reagan published. Mm-hmm. I really honestly expected a... For someone to have made a Negroni with Sue's. Yeah. Because that, that's all my drink is. It's a straight-up Negroni, substitute, Campari with Sue's. I expected that to exist. I didn't find it. I also expected a drink to be called Citrine, and I didn't find that either. No? So, good for me. I want to say, what's what's in a white Negroni? Sue's. Oh. How, and how is yours different? So mine sticks with the sweet vermouth. A white Negroni uses dry vermouth. Oh. So gin, gin, sweet vermouth, and Sue's is is my drink. A white Negroni is gin, dry vermouth, and Sue's. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up. I, I really expected it to exist already, but I didn't find any proof. So I win. The paper plane, this three-quarter ounce of bourbon, three-quarter ounce of Aperol, three-quarter ounce of Averna, and three-quarter ounce of freshly squeezed lemon juice. So you have bourbon. Aperol. Aperol is kind of sweet, a little bit bitter, citrusy. And then Averna. Uh-huh. Averna tastes like Pepsi Cola. <laughs> really? To me. Okay. Um, you can make a great cherry Coke with Averna and cherry hearing or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah it's one of the sweeter amaros i kind of don't like it that much i have a bottle still because i don't use it that's fair i have tons of bottles of stuff of the same name like i i am literally so the top shelf of my fridge is all vermouths and amaros and that kind of stuff yep and then this and then the second shelf is garnishes but so I'm I am trying to like go there's stuff in the back. You know, you buy a bottle because you don't know what it is mm-hmm. and then you use it a couple of times and you think it's interesting and then you forget all about it. I have a ton of those bottles that I need to like get rid of or drink. I've honestly wondered if I'm the only person that does this, but I will go like on a mission to kill bottles that are like, you know, just two inches left at the bottom. And just pour them all together. Well, no, I'll 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 use them appropriately, but like I will focus my attention on them. Like I'll draw them out and like sort of stack them up. And it's like, okay, I have these things. What can I make? And do they do these tend to be the things you don't necessarily enjoy, or just it just doesn't? It's just low. A little bit of both, honestly. Okay, it's a thing that I like periodically do. It's kind of like spring cleaning of my bar. Mm-hmm. I get tired of looking at bottles, and I want them to cycle out. I I really need to do that because just actually just making today's hanky panky. I I was looking for the Leopold Brothers, and it was kind of pushed back because you know you get things and you just you just shove the bottles in there. It's like caroms, and they rearrange themselves. Right. And there were a couple of bottles. Well, embarrassingly, there were two of the same thing that you thought you were out of, and then you bought another one. But there is a lot of stuff in there that I 
I need to. Yeah. They're just taking up space for other delicious things. It's actually a good challenge. It makes you do some research and find some new cocktails. Because say you have a bottle of Frangelico. I've had this bottle of Frangelico for two years and I never use it. And la di da. Try to find some drinks that you actually enjoy that use Frangelico and go to town. So you do some research, you find lots of recipes and try them out. So I, I'm at another site for Amaro recipes, and here's one that just sounds crazy. This is the six-inch gold blade. <laughs> I was not expecting blade. So th- wait till you hear this. Okay, one and a half ounces Smith & Cross rum. Okay. Half ounce Puntimes. Mm-hmm. Half ounce Nardino. Mm. Half ounce Campari. Excellent. A teaspoon of Laphroaig. What? <laughs> Not done yet. Okay. Two dashes Angostura, one dash Mole bitters, and an orange twist. That is a hell of a lot to put into one drink. That's like a circus in a glass. Yeah. I'm I'm reading the reviews here. Deep, bitter cocktail with four types of bitters, not for the meek. Campari is the most powerful bitter anyway. You definitely need the Smith & Cross rum. Which is powerful, funky rum. So here's another one. This is the Elephant Flip. (laughs) One ounce... Ramazzotti Amaro. Okay. Half ounce of the Smith and Cross again. Half ounce of Buffalo Trace. Wow. Half ounce of Demerara syrup. Uh-huh. One teaspoon pomegranate molasses. Yep. Four dashes of Angostura. Four dashes of mole bitters. A pinch of salt. One whole egg. Because it's a flip. Topped with an ounce of IPA. Wow. Okay. I'm. I don't. I'm not gonna go there. I don't think. No. But somebody didn't try it, and it's what it, it said. It most reminded him of the happy middle portion of a chocolate ice cream root beer float. Who puts chocolate ice cream in a root beer float? And someone else agreed Smith & Cross is very unique. Shines in cocktails. I don't understand that comment, because I guess there are sipping rums. I don't understand people who get into rums what don't you understand because you don't enjoy them or no i i like them fine but like you can dive really deep in rum just like you can with whiskey yeah i i have chosen whiskey yeah i i'm also of the i don't taste a difference between the i'm sure there are i've obviously been to smuggler's cove and and i've done the rum flight and they all taste like rum to me i my palate is is not attuned apparently and smith and cross is like the one outlier like i can recognize the flavor of that the second I taste it. Mm-hmm. Most rums, if it's a brownish rum, it tastes like this. If it's a yellowish rum, it tastes like this. And if it's a clear rum, it tastes like this. And that's kind of how I feel about rums. <laughs> well, it, it has a, um, I guess, honey is, it's either, it, I know it's more probably molasses or maple or something like that, but it's not a flavor that I necessarily enjoy. It's, it, it doesn't, this is going to sound weird, it doesn't taste clean to me. Interesting. Whereas a, a bourbon has a, not a lighter taste, that's the wrong thing to say, but there's a, there is definitely a taste in the rum that I don't enjoy. Yeah, okay. So, something from the sugar cane. Do you like cachaça? Uh, I can't say, because I've only ever had, uh, what is the... Caipirinha? Yeah, that's the only thing I've ever had with it. I haven't had it by itself. But I have had the agricole rum, which is another rum, but I... I don't like that either. Yeah. Speaking of 
flavors of things that you can't be convinced are good. My friend had his mother and sisters in uh, San Francisco this week. He and I both are big gin fans. They do not like gin. Uh-huh. And we were convinced, like, well, maybe they're not being exposed to uh, you know a good vermouth to make a good martini. Maybe they haven't found the gin that they like. Maybe they haven't whatever. You know, lots of excuses. And probably the same ones that people made for us before we enjoyed gin. Because certainly there was a period where I was drinking vodka martinis. Um, so they were in town, and we were both... Uh, thank you. Um, it was many years ago, um, but it, but definitely true. Um, so they were in town, and we were both determined uh, to convince them that they do like gin. Like they, you know, of, of the myriad reasons why they don't, there's a reason why they do, which is gin is great. So we took them to Bar Agricole. Yeah. We took them to Dosa, which is an Indian restaurant, which has a, a fairly good cocktail uh, program. And I was doing gin drinks and passing them over, and I'm like, you, you seriously can't tell me you don't like this. And what it is, and what is essentially gin, it's the juniper. Mm-hmm. They do not like the juniper, which to me, I, maybe I can't taste it. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> because you like the juniper. Yeah, exactly. Because obviously you do. You're having that giant juniper Sipsmith. Which doesn't have enough juniper. Not even enough juniper for you. <laughs> they they would taste any any cocktail set before them. And I, I was, I mean, delicious. There, there's one at Dosa called, uh, it's named after a flower. Damn it. <laughs> this, is, this is really obscure. I can think of how the flower is pollinated, which is ants crawl over it and open the blossoms one at a time. Oh, peony. I, I pronounce that peony. Okay. That's... I have no idea which is correct. I don't either. Peony sounds better, <laughs> though, probably. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if the recipe's online. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to doubt that it is. But it's, it's, it's a gin cocktail. Oh, here we are. Okay. So one and a half ounces of gin, an ounce of hibiscus nectar. Which is they they make there at Dosa? Sure. Three, three quarter of ounce sweetened coconut milk, a half ounce fresh lime juice, two drops orange flower water. Uh, oh, and and it's so it's got a dusting of chili powder on the top. Oh wow! Yeah, it's sweet. It's creamy. It's it's it gives you that zap of of heat. It's a delightful cocktail that I highly recommend. That sounds amazing. So I pass it around the table, and literally they would make this face like they were I don't know imbibing garbage juice or something like they could not and because for me it was more of the 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 coconut and the heat and and everything melded together really nicely and yet they picked out you know i I, and i was wondering like if i told them if i didn't tell them there was gin in this would they have done that right i guess there are just some people don't they won't like gin no matter what right so there are two other things that i can think of that genetically People don't like the flavor of, and that's cilantro. Mm-hmm. You can genetically be predisposed to think cilantro tastes like soap. <laughs> sure. Or you think cilantro is delicious. It's kind of binary. Also, Parmesan cheese. Oh, because it tastes like vomit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Certain people have a genetic configuration, and the barest ounce of Parmesan cheese in their food makes the entire dish taste like vomit. Mm-hmm. I And I totally get the vomit connection. Uh, occasionally I... Oh, I can recognize it. Yeah. I also think Parmesan is delicious. I do too. <laughs> I love Parmesan. So, mm. the reason Parmesan smells like it and may taste like it to some people is because there is a common enzyme in vomit and Parmesan. Yes. And I think, 
think even people who like Parmesan, if they do the blind smell, mm-hmm. they will say it smells like this smells like vomit. I totally recognize what makes it seem like vomit. I also recognize the soap flavor in cilantro. I don't. But I think it's delicious. I don't get the soapy flavor from cilantro. Or maybe I just haven't eaten the right soap. Well, but I I also like like a lot of cilantro in everything. In guacamole and salsa. Oh, and... I, I'm ridiculous. I can have a salad of cilantro. Yeah. So we were talking about the gin and I said there's probably nothing I wouldn't try once. There's nothing I wouldn't put in my mouth. If it's food, I will try it once. No matter okay. how disgusting or creepy it sounds. Like mm-hmm. I've cer- certainly eaten bugs and they don't really taste like anything. They're often very seasoned. I will oh, I will tell you from experience the one thing that has its own flavor is ants. Oh. Are they sweet? No, they're kind of spicy. It's it's weird. It's it's almost oh. like it's almost like putting your tongue on a battery. Oh, weird. Oh, yeah. I can see that cuz they have acid in them probably. Yeah. So I have a new thing that I've tried only yesterday that I want to tell you about. All right. And it fits our topic. This sounds exciting. It's Balsam American Amaro. You can find it at balsamspirits.com. Okay. And so this is basically a concentrated Amaro. And so it's vodka with fruit and spices, according to the label. Mm -hmm. Comes in at 88 proof. And one of the things that they suggest you do with it is make your own sweet vermouth. Oh. So you can take... Three parts of any wine, I would use a red wine, and then one part balsam spirit, mix and store in small bottles and refrigerate it. We tried this at the bar yesterday. Our our bartender just mixed a little bit of red wine with a little bit of this, stirred it around, put a rock in it, and it was delicious. It was great. Weird. What an awesome idea. Then, since I was the driver, I was looking for a low alcohol type of situation. And I asked for a shot of the balsam just with tonic water. And it was great. Hmm. It was bitter. It was citrusy. It's my new favorite bitters and soda. It's, it's, it's way beyond bitters and soda. It's got so much flavor. It's it's my low alcohol treat. So you're telling everybody we need to look up this balsam amaro and and get us some. I think I think this balsam amaro is really cool. They have on the label several little recipes. Mm-hmm. One of which they call the wingman, which is ounce and a half of balsam topped with Perrier tonic or cola. So that's that's their highball, low alcohol drink. They have a balsam and brandy. They have the sweet vermouth instructions, three to one. And then something called Royal Wisdom, which is basically a royale. So it's balsam with champagne. They have an article in Forbes for the rich and famous. And it says in the first two hours, the 3,000 bottles of that were sold out. Bought by Grant Ackett's and Curtis Duffy and Eric Rupert of La Bernadine. And so backlog of orders from Dubai, Panama, and Singapore. So everybody wants this shit. I got mine. Nice. According to the label, it's a wormwood-infused bittersweet spirit inspired by an 18th century vermouth formula. And then it instructs you to enjoy neat... Or add to wine to make bespoke vermouth. Mmm, I love bespoke. Well, you're in San Francisco, you have to. Here's a good quote. While, while the first batch was good, it lacked a certain sluttiness. 
Seeger says. <laughs> we wanted it to be decadent, to have a real strong fruit note. So he teamed up with Roderick Marcus, who was a master tea blender, and Barry Young, who's the master distiller at Boyd and Blair Vodka, the potato vodka people. It's got a blend of Spanish cantaloupe, honeydew, pineapple, hibiscus, Seville orange, uh, four-year-old blood orange fermented dark tea, as well as Southern Decadence Magnolia Shrubbery, which sure. combines cane sugar with sugar from magnolia blossom oolong tea leaves that are dried in a room full of magnolias to absorb the flower's aroma. Huh. Wow. I do, I do love magnolia flowers. See? Now, so if you want to make it yourself at home, this is all you need to do. That's all you need. So I'm going I'm to thank you for that um, recommendation. I'd never even heard of this. It looks really interesting, and yeah, and we we tried it neat, and it's a doozy. <laughs> well, it's a high proof too, right? It's it's like eighty six proof, eighty eight, yeah, eighty eight. Yeah, it's a doozy. But once you mix it, it does really interesting things. Nice, and so you can just get a bottle of cheap wine and and just go to town with it, right? Perfect. L- little uh, seven dollar Tempranillo. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet and, vermouth. Yep, and never tell anybody. I made this <laughs> myself. Uh, all right, let's wind up this week. So, recommendations, balsam, mm-hmm. if you can find it. Do you know what the cost there is? I think it was around 30-ish. So that's decent because you can make a hell of a lot of vermouth out of that. You could. It's a, it's a half bottle. It's a 375. Beautiful label. I have no other recommendations other than uh, that, that peony... Uh, cocktail is delicious if you want to try it out at home with coconut milk. That and... is fantastic. And thank you for listening, everybody, Whoever, whenever we get this out there. We don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what we're doing. 